every single marketer and every single brand should be attempting to earn a disproportionate share of conversation. If you work for an organization where they say, bring us a chart that goes up and to the right, you have a challenge. Half the money I spend on advertising is wasted. The trouble is, I don't know which half. I am here to inspire you, to excite you, to motivate you, to transform you, to energize you. Hello and welcome to Pipeline Visionaries. This episode features an interview with Sarah McConnell, VP of Demand Generation at Qualified, the pipeline generation platform for revenue teams that use Salesforce. In this episode, Sarah shares the benefits she's seen of nesting owned events into broader marketing goals, hiring varied skill sets in-house as an invaluable ROI, and how everything you do should be about pipeline. Sarah also talks about pipeline as a personalized journey for prospects and the opportunity in giving potential buyers as many avenues as possible to convert. But before we get into it, here's a brief word from our sponsor. Today's episode is brought to you by Qualified. If you're a revenue team that runs your business on Salesforce, Qualified will accelerate your lead generation, pipeline, and ultimately revenue. Learn more at qualified.com. So please enjoy this interview between Sarah McConnell, VP of Demand Generation at Qualified, and your host, Ian Faison. Welcome to Pipeline Visionaries Live from Dreamforce at the Pipeline Summit. Woo! And I'm joined by our amazing guest, Sarah. How are you? I'm doing good. Thank you, Ian. How are you doing? You know, it's great. And I'm so excited to chat with you because you are truly the pipeline visionary of, of all running running pipeline here at, at Qualified. And we're talking the future of pipeline generation. So gosh, what a better person to have than you, huh? Also, so pleased to be here because I've been listening to this show since I joined the company. I joined like three and a half years ago, right when what was previously Demand Gen Visionaries and now has been rebranded as Pipeline Visionaries was coming to fruition. You had like four episodes and I listened religiously for every season. And I remember going into my interview and I had those first three episodes just memorized. (laughs) So it's like a full circle moment three years later to be here and being interviewed. Indeed. And it's always fun talking a little meta about about Pipeline (laughs) at Qualified because, and I've said this before, that I really just think that the qualified marketing team is is the best in the biz. And so it's always just so fun talking shop because I learned so much. We have, you know, bounce ideas off. And obviously, like our two teams work with each other every yeah, single absolutely. week. And so it's fun, you know, blending this content and pipeline and where do they fit and how do they fit together every day, every week. And so, you know, again, yeah. who better chat with than you? So zooming out. How did you get started in marketing? Got started in marketing right out of college. My now husband and I moved to Tucson, Arizona. Had no idea what I was going to do for a job. Got into PR and quickly realized this is not for me. So dabbled in PR for about eight months and then went into digital marketing and then have kind of stuck around in like digital and then that evolved into demand gen ever since. I've been in SaaS for six-ish years now. Prior to that, it was kind of B2C, which has been really fun to transition into B2B, although I realized it's all the same. Everyone's looking to do the same thing, which is drive new business and drive pipeline, (laughs) whether it's B2C or B2B. And what's your pipeline generation strategy? How do you think about pipeline and qualified? Oh, such a good question. Um, The way that we are defining pipeline at the company and our Craig, our CEO, he defines it this way. He says, do we have an at-bat, like a real at-bat with this company to have a chance at winning their business? And that's how we're defining pipeline. But from a strategic standpoint, 
it's interesting. I mentioned my background's in digital marketing. So that's kind of where I started when I was here three years ago was like, let's just take tiny amounts of budget and see where we can start to drive a little bit more high intent. Can we capture those high intent leads, bring them in? But now as we've grown, we're doing things like this Pipeline Summit Live and Pipeline Summit at Dreamforce. And there's so many pieces that are going into the demand gen strategy that span beyond what I would have normally considered demand gen, which is events and content. And even our product marketing, every time we do launches, we put our stuff out on social media, that all is coming together like holistically as part of a larger demand gen strategy. Yeah. I mean, it, it feels like when we launched the show originally, that one of our theses was that the people who are heads of demand gen yep. are the best suited to be CMOs because the importance of pipeline versus some of the other like vanity type metrics that some companies were looking at essentially makes a better marketer, right? Totally. It makes a, a more sales-driven marketer, which is what we're trying to do here. And so, you know, flash forward to now, and it feels like that hypothesis, I think, is pretty true. And then now, especially in the current, like, kind of like, microclimate in tech where everyone is trying to do more with less. Everyone yep. is trying to figure out how pipeline, you know, is affected by different things. What can you cut? What can you not cut? Uncuttable budget budget items, timely. Yep. And so, you know, have what have those cha- changes look like for you? What are you seeing? Yeah. So I think the biggest changes in, you know, I kind of mentioned when I first joined, very, very little budget. As a startup, I was the second marketer. It was very, very small amounts of money. And we're just doing small tests in like digital and events. And I think our first time we spent any money on event, we spent like $10,000 at Dreamforce to sponsor a party. And that was like the first time we'd written a check for marketing. And we were all so nervous. And then I think there was a time about a year ago where It was kind of that growth at all cost mindset that everyone was like living the dream where it was easier to spend money. There was easier to bring in business where we started to really expand spend in all areas. We were all of our content production, the events that we were sponsoring, the ad spend, the ABM, we were just ramping up spend across the board. And then fast forward to where we're at right now. And I think we're starting to be a little bit more diligent in how we're spending that money, which I think everyone is. Everyone's taking a beat and saying... We're going to talk about, I know, uncuttable budget items, but what is cuttable? So really looking with hyper-focus on what's benefiting pipeline, but also at, at the bottom of the funnel, like what's capturing that pipeline. And that's a little bit easier to measure as like source pipeline. But at the top of the funnel, where can we feel really comfortable spending money on things that drive brand awareness, but don't feel too big? Because I just don't feel like we're in a place in this current day and age to take big bets on brand awareness, except for things like owned events, which we'll get into as part of like our uncuttable budget items. But I think just being a little bit more diligent about spend and being really cautious and always looking at the data and coming back and saying, is this working? And never straying too far from that. You mentioned how product marketing, content marketing, these things drive pipeline. They are, you know, really part demand gen, right? So how do you think about that yeah. Within the company, I mean, I, clearly you have great relationships with people like like Emma on content marketing side, and and you've cultivated like really good relationships there to like build together. Yep. But not all Dimension folks sort of have that opportunity. Yeah, I'm really lucky that our CMO Mora, she is very product marketing background and and brand, and that was is really her background. And so when I got hired, that was the the start of it. She was like, I'm going to work on product marketing and brand. And then you're going to focus on demand gen and pipeline. And then we've sort of built the team from there. But to your point, when budgets have gotten a little bit tighter and from a demand gen standpoint, I can't spend as much necessarily on brand awareness. 
but there's still free brand awareness plays, which is product marketing. Like yeah. we can still do big product launches. We can still make big splashes without the dollars behind them. And so I think to your point of cultivating those relationships with the product mar- marketers, the content marketers, because we have to rely on things that are a little bit more free right now. Things that we can make a splash organically. We can make big noise out in the market with product launches, with good content, with good owned events that maybe don't cost quite as much as we used to spend money on. So I think maintaining those relationships with my product marketing team, the content marketing team, everyone works so closely together. It's just imperative to driving any sort of pipeline. How do you think about attribution? Oh my gosh, such a good question. And I could talk about attribution for the next hour, but I won't. We've gone through a lot of evolutions of how we talk about pipeline. At the very beginning, it was all source pipeline. Like that's all we really cared about is what brought you through the door. And that's kind of how I think about source is what was that last action before an opportunity was opened up? Because when we were smaller and we had limited budget, that's all we cared about. And we were just going to double down on that thing that's bringing you through the door. Right. Then fast forward, okay, we really feel like we've got that nailed down. We know it's bringing people in. Okay, well then how are they learning about us? And how long is that journey of when they've learned about us to when they walk through that front door? So then we tried to bring in a little bit more first touch as well. So we still talk about first touch, but where that starts to get tricky is first touch has just gotten so, it's so messy. Yeah. Like someone might hear about us three years ago, but you can't buy. And then all of a sudden here we are three years later and they're buying, but they might not remember that moment. We might be tracking an attribution. So we still have it in our, our talk track. We still look at it, but it's not what we lean on as heavily. And then we just look at all the touch points in between. So that influence pipe or how we're influencing, because there's so many touch points as our team has grown, as our marketing has grown and our demand gen has grown. It all matters. And I I joked on LinkedIn recently, I'm in my just because we can measure it doesn't mean we should era. We have all of that data, which is great. I know the last touch. I know the first touch. I know all the touches in between. Having that readily available to talk to if someone asks, if my CEO asks, if my CMO asks, but really looking at that sourced pipeline is still where we've spent a lot of our time. And I still think that's like our most telling of at the end of the day, we still need to bring business in. And that's our most important thing that we want to double down on. So the data is all there. We can talk about it at any point. Doesn't mean we spend a ton of time on it every single day. Yeah. And I think that what we're learning in the current sort of like microclimate is that the action of the person like raising their hand and saying, I want a demo might be more situationally or it might be driven by the sourced reason, right? Yep. It's like, was it that webinar that got them over the hump or was it the fact that it's budget season at the end of Q3 right now and that they're finally ready to say like, hey, I want to talk to a salesperson where it's like for the last four months, I just needed to do my job. Totally. And so those sort of things I think are, are like endlessly fascinating to me, obviously. And and how we're trying to say, like, what was the actual reason? Like, is there something about that webinar that, like, yeah. got someone, some light went off in their mind that that was the thing that need, they needed, the final piece of information that they needed to know to reach out to sales? Or was it a timing thing? Or was it, you know, whatever? You know, interesting story. So we had a, someone who listens to the podcast. I won't say her name, but <laughs> shout out for listening. That reached out and was like, hey, I just moved companies. And I've been a fan of Qualified for a long time because I was listening to the podcast. I didn't know who they were. And now that I'm at my new company, I can finally like try them because my old company didn't use Salesforce. Yep. And I was like, how many episodes did you listen to? She's like, oh, listen to everyone. That's amazing. Yeah. And And, I, and she, she's like, I, I would have loved to have bought Qualified, but I didn't. But you couldn't. couldn't and she's been sitting company. for three years just thinking about yeah. it. And I think to your point of when I think about attribution and we think about it from a terminology standpoint, you talk about the first touch, the source or the last touch and all the influenced that's great. It's how we define it as a company. 
But as a human being, as a buyer, I don't know. Like when I ask you, how'd you hear about us? That could have been their first touch. It could have been their last. I don't know. It's just whatever stuck in their brain as the most impactful thing for them. So me trying to put into a box, was that the first touch? Was it the last touch? Was it somewhere in the middle? It doesn't really matter. It's just whatever stood out to them. So I feel like anytime I talk about attribution, I love it because I'm really data driven and I live in the data every single day. But I can also recognize that it's never going to be perfect. And I don't think any marketer is going to look at you and say, like, I have the perfect attribution strategy figured out because when you think you do, something changes and it's just, it's never going to be 100%. So it's just, it's so messy that I'm like, I just want to know as much as I can and then use that to build hypothesis on where we need to double down or where we can pull budget back from. One of the things that we've seen recently, because we started doing self-reported attribution and that people get it wrong. Oh, totally. Which is so fascinating. So like we've had people that have said that they found out through like Google ads or an AdWord and it was actually organic or vice versa. Because like, they don't know. Like, well, so they'll say Google, whatever. And then you go back and you look and you're like, oh, actually, like you like listened to a podcast a while ago or, or whatever it is. And that stuff to me is so fascinating. Then you, then you so look and you're like, oh, actually, we're like connected on LinkedIn or whatever, you know, so it's so complex and so multifactorial at this point that you just need to, you know, surround these people with as many or with your prospects with as many opportunities to get them to raise their hand. And I love self-reported attribution because I do think it's interesting because even if it was what sourced them or the first touch, it's just whatever stuck out to them. Yeah, exactly. But as someone who I, early days of my career, I decided to get my Salesforce admin, admin certificate, like whatever training because I was like, I just, I'm in here every day. I want to know how to use it. And it still stuck with me. And I'm in Salesforce all the time. So as someone who's in there all the time, self-reported attribution just makes me start sweating because people can't spell. You give them a pick list, but like they don't use that pick list yeah. exactly. So you leave it open field yeah. and then they, and it's such messy data. And so I always feel so bad for any open field sourced attribute where you ask people, how'd you hear about us? Because I'm like, oh gosh, my poor RevOps or data person is like, I hate this question yeah. so much. No, it's true. This is a great point because it's so valuable to leave it as an open question because they can put a variety of different things. They can put whatever. And if you, I forget, it might've been the episode of Pipeline Visionaries with, with Closed, but I can't remember. But they were saying that the data that they saw was that people most often like clicked option one. One, always. Yeah, right? if you give them an option to drop down, they're always going to pick one. Yeah. Because easy. And so no you're care. like, Gosh, how messy is that? Yeah. So you're like, well, which is which is more or less messy? And again, it's like this is, in my opinion, it's like part of what is so difficult about being a sales rep is this stuff is really, you know, confusing and convoluted totally. and all that. I mean, you don't know, you know, who who should get quote unquote credit, but at the end of the day, like the business doesn't, doesn't care matter. about it's credit. Business. Right? It's pipeline. Like yeah. that's all we care about. At the end of the day, everyone needs pipeline if they need revenue, which is every single company. So I think you make such a good point of. I, I hate to say it, but like, who cares? It's great to have. It's good to know. It it helps us directionally. But at the end of the day, we're all working together to drive pipeline. And that's that's all that matters. Yeah, I think also too that so many data or so many marketers have become data-driven mm-hmm. that it's borderline like data, data reliant. Oh, yeah. It's like you still have to have a reason for doing something, right? Like You still have why, to have a gut instinct for something. Yeah. Like, why are we here at the MoMA yep. right now versus somewhere else that we could have been? Totally. And, and like those sort of things like... Yeah, there is going to be trailing data and, and indicators to that stuff, but you still have to say, like, is this something that is worth doing that our customers or prospects would care about? Yep, for sure. Let's get into uncuttable budget okay. items. Okay, love what this your, section. What are your? It's the best, right? It's the best. It is. 
Well, you just that's when we when we created, we're like we just everyone wants to know where other. And it's people always are different money. answers, which is fascinating. Everyone's yeah. got something different. I love it when you'll have a guest that says one thing, and then the next guest so will say, exact say the exact. Opposite. They're like, "That's the first thing I cut." That's the first thing I cut. <laughs> Content syndication is like always. It's like very Ooh, people always that is the, say it's very it's cuttable. a very polarizing topic. And then some people are like, "You yeah, know, it works great." And you're like, yeah. "Wow, that's crazy." But anywho, what are your uncuttable budget items? So we have a few. I think the the first one is owned events, and I have to say that because we're at Pipeline Summit at Dreamforce, which is owned events. But we've been doing owned events in different facets for a long time. It qualified. It started. When I first joined the company, we started something called Taste to Qualified, which it was during COVID. People couldn't get together. And we're like, we want to bring together demand gen folks to share ideas because we feel very isolated right now. We're not getting a chance to network. We don't have a chance to talk to people. There was really good communities built for CMOs, but not really for demand gen folks. And so we were like, how can we bring people together? And we used this question in Taste to Qualified, which is uncuttable budget items. And we said, we're going to bring together demand gen folks or people in revenue marketing and send you a couple bottles of wine. We're going to bring on a wine, the winemaker from the winery to do some tasting notes because you can't go to a winery right now. You can't go to Napa. They're closed. You can't go into a winery and do a virtual wine tasting. And then in between tastings, have demand gen folks network with each other and just share ideas and ask questions of, hey, is this working for you? Is it not working for you? Because we made this assumption people are really missing that networking. And that was the start of our owned event strategy. And we still do Taste of Qualifieds every single quarter. They're still super successful. People love them. They help us progress pipeline and create pipeline. So we've really doubled down on that. And then we've grown it. So now we're doing our own owned events. We have our virtual pipeline summits every quarter. We're dabbling here for the first time with an in-person pipeline summit. And I think having our own name, our own brand, everything is... It's us. We know who's here is so important. And we talk about puffing up. It just makes us look bigger, which is fantastic. So that's really important. I think that owned events is one that we'll just never cut. Let's, I want to, yeah, I want to dig double, into that. Let's double down here. Let's, let's dig in. So I totally agree. I love the owned events. I get hit up because I host the show and, and I'm an advisor to qualified. So I get hit up by people trying to get on the pipeline summit. Speakers. Speakers. Which it, if you're a good speaker, we'll take you. Yeah. Just, <laughs> yeah, just not from not from the people. <laughs> I'm constantly pushing people in. I get rejected all the time. No, I'm kidding. Um, but it's really interesting how quickly you built a brand mm-hmm. around Pipeline Summit, how well it works in concert with Pipeline Visionaries. Yep. And that these two plays run simultaneously. Yep. And how they feed each other. Guests from Pipeline Visionaries go on to Pipeline Summit. People from Pipeline Summit come on to Pipeline Visionaries. It also feeds into Rise of RevOps, which I also host. I've done sessions of Pipeline Summit, but yep. also a bunch of the content is not me in there, which is cool. And I think it's really innovative. And again, like building the one giant user conference once a year is cool. But if you don't have that presence... The 365 People presence. forget about it. Right. Well, that was... One of the blessings of working at Qualified is I work for a CEO who used to be a CMO. So he gets marketing, he knows marketing. And we joke, it's a blessing and a curse sometimes because he pushes us because he was a marketer. So he knows this space. And I remember we started with, obviously it was Demand Gen Visionaries. And then we the reason we rebranded partially to Pipeline Visionaries is one, Pipeline is just so important. And two, we started to build this larger brand of Pipeline Summit and Pipeline Visionaries. We have a live demo that we do every month called Pipeline Cloud in Action. So we're starting to bring this into all of our different events. 
And I remember when we started to formulate Pipeline Summit, the first like virtual one that we did, and we're trying to figure out what we were going to do. And Craig, our CEO, kept pushing us. How does this all hang together? Like, how is everything working together? And at first I was like, they don't. And then we really just sat down and started to piece together. Okay, to your point, if we only do Pipeline Summit in November one time a year, how many other things are happening before that next November that people are going to forget it ever happened? And it feels like it loses momentum. So if we do them every quarter and they're sort of like medium-sized... And then we've got our pipeline visionaries that come out on a weekly cadence. And then we've got these other smaller webinars or events that happen on bi-weekly cadences. And then we've got Pipeline Summit at Dreamforce, which is once a year and it's a little bit bigger. They all work together, but it took a long time of playing almost like like Tetris of like piecing everything together. Yep. But you're right that it keeps everything top of mind and it gives us as a business, we always have a reason to reach out. I never don't have a reason to email our database with something that I think is useful. I'm not just emailing you just anything. There's right. always something to invite you to something where you're going to come learn something. So I think that's why as part of a larger strategy, these owned events have just been a huge game changer for us. Yeah, I, I would add that it just allows people to opt in in a way that they want to consume things. And some people like to say, hey, I'm going to block four hours of this day from 10 o'clock Pacific to two. And I'm going to just go in there and I'm going to learn for four hours and I can binge it. Yep. And I can just go sit in there. It's always on demand. Yeah. So you can come back at any point. Yeah, you can come back and like go listen to a session. I can be in the chat with yep. other people. So I can be live. It kind of holds holds yourself accountable. You know, when you have other people with you, that's why webinars are, are never, ever, ever going to go away. Because yep. people seek live interaction, which is great. And people are, are, are up in the chat yep. for Pipeline Summit. And then another thing too is that the way that you branded it was not the Qualified Summit. Yep. It wasn't qualified visionaries. It wasn't qualified summit. It was all like nested in this broader goal of, you know, evangelizing how important pipeline is yep. and the different stakeholders that play into pipeline, which is demand gen is part of it, but it is RevOps. It is sales, obviously. It is yep. like different functions that all play at this. And so you can have a broader content theme, but it still has a very coherent brand. And again, when people reach out to me, they're just like, hey, I want to be on Pipeline Summit, or hey, I want my CMO on Pipeline Visionaries. Like it, it all works really cohesively. And most people, most companies, you have to back off the ledge to be like, don't name it something yes. silly. Don't name it the name of your company. Don't like do that sort of not that that's wrong. It's not wrong, but the way that you did, it, I think, worked really well. Totally. And there was it was definitely intentional when. I, again, I, my background's in digital marketing, so I do a lot of advertising. And when we were running ads at Qualified, I'm always trying to look for the messaging that's resonating. And right. it can be hard to test that. But what I notice thematically, no matter what, is it's pipeline. If I put an ad in market that says, increase your inbound pipeline or never miss your inbound pipeline number again, anything that says pipeline, by far and above would always have a way higher view-through rate, click-through rate, engagement. Like that's what people... Are interesting because it's the thing that keeps demand gen people up at night. It's what keeps RevOps up at night. It's what keeps sales up at night is, do I have enough pipeline? Am I driving enough pipeline? So we realized when we did the naming of this, to your point, it could have been demand gen. It could have been qualified. But pipeline is the one word that like threads through all of those departments and means so much to them and is so important for their jobs. So what words weren't working? I think demand gen does a little bit, but really it was like pipeline, inbound pipeline and anything pipeline. That's what works. That's great. All right. Second uncuttable. 
I think second uncuttable for us is qualified studios. So we do a lot of our content in house, whatever we're not doing with Caspian. We do all of our, we look, I mean, if you go to our website and you're looking at our, our homepage, we do all of that in, in qualified. So our web dev team is internal. Our creative team is all internal. And whenever I talk to other marketing folks and they ask how our team is structured, they're always shocked when I tell them how many creative folks we have or how many web dev we have. But one, we feel like we have such a tight grasp on our brand. We always know what is out there, what's happening. And I would never cut it because I'm in a very unique and fun position where I market to marketers. Before this, I used to market to security. And as much as I loved it, IT people just don't have the same... It's not as fun as marketing to marketers. Oh, I'll yeah, say because we, we love it. Because we're all we like, love we're, it. Like, we like look at the ads. We're like, oh, is so that when you good? market to marketers, yeah, they're right. like looking for good stuff. And I know that I can impress other marketers because we love a shiny object. We love something cool. We like to see other brands doing great stuff, and we pay attention to it. So I think for me, with qualified studios and doing all of that internal, like coming back to our homepage couple months ago, we said, can we do a demo video on our homepage, embed it so it looks seamless when you're scrolling down our page? Can we do it all in-house? So we filmed all of that in Qualified Studios. It's me and our CMO up on a green screen with a demo. But we built all of that in-house. And the number of people we have that reach out to us and say, your homepage is amazing. What agency do you go through? And we say, we don't go through one. So I think for me, being able to create really beautiful and eye-catching marketing when we market to marketers just sets us apart because people know our brand, whether they can buy us right now or not. When you think about like only what five or 10% of people are in market to buy and all of that stuff. If I can impress that other 90% of people with our marketing, I know when the time comes that you can buy, you'll probably think about us because you've come to our website. You looked at our marketing, you've looked at our content to learn something, to see what we're doing. So I really want to keep that content engine, that qualified studios constantly going and convincing our executive team that we needed qualified studios because it's a pretty big investment up front to get like all the the camera equipment and the stuff that we have in our office. They were pretty skeptical at first. And now we've been able to prove value. And we're like, look at all the customer stories we put out. Look at all the content that we put out. Look at, we're doing headshots here at Pipeline Summit at Dreamforce. Like we can do all of that with our own team. And I think the ROI on that is just invaluable. I couldn't agree more. I think you have some of the best designs. Thank you. Uh, I don't do it. It's all my creative team. (laughs) No, it's incredible. And the website is amazing. Every time I'm like showing off Qualified Plus to someone, I'm like, look at how beautiful all this stuff is. Look at how cool this site is. Look at all of this. And like years before Mm -hmm. a lot of people were doing this, especially at the size that you were at, I couldn't agree more. And obviously, we work every single day with the Qualified Studios team. So I'm biased there for sure. But it's great. And like when you're looking for competitive advantages versus your versus like your competitive landscape design is one yep quality is one like does this company care about this stuff like if you are you know chopping out blog posts that you pay $10 for yep. with no design it looks bad it reads bad if you're creating like really high quality customer videos and and obviously all of the, like the keynotes and all that stuff they yep. all do is really, really cool and looks awesome. I heard someone earlier today, I heard a CEO of a company was like, oh, I, I, I watch all your videos, Craig. They're awesome. Yep. And I think... That's a CEO. The beauty of it is that we can be agile too, which I love. Like we can formulate an idea and say, we want to film this. And because it's all in-house and to your point, we're not... It saves us a lot of back and forth of like proofing and editing because everyone that works here knows our brand. They know our product. So we can move really quickly when we come with a new idea. And so we can beat people to market a lot, which is really cool. We can think of something quick and just turn it out in 
a way faster time than if we had to go back and forth with an agency. I've worked with great agencies in the past. I know there's a ton of value to them. I just think with where we're at as a company, with how we're trying to build our brand, having it all in-house has just been something I've never had the beauty of having before. Yeah. And it's been such a blessing. Like you said, it's a big investment. Totally. Um, and you have to know the people. And obviously, like you have you have really awesome leaders yep. that have spent, you know, a lifetime of trying to find the best, you know, people in they those have fields. such good relationships with these people. So yeah. Okay, number three. Okay, last one. And this is my plug, which is obviously qualified. And I can't, I know I'm biased, but I actually was a customer of Qualified First before I joined. So I had this unique experience of using the product and seeing it firsthand before I moved over to the company. And I joined when we were really small. And I always joke with people when I was interviewed by Craig and Mora and they... They're going through the interview process and they I asked them, I said, How much pipeline do you have right now? Like, what's what's your current pipeline? They said zero dollars. And I was like, <laughs> sign me up. Like, I guess I'm joining. And I, but I still I'd seen the product. So when they told me we have no pipeline, I was still willing to join because I knew how impactful it was. And I think fast forward three years, the problems are still the same. Like yeah. I if anything, it's even more impactful in that everything I do, I'm driving people to my website. Yep. I want you to come check it out. I want you to come to our homepage. I'm driving you through ads, through events, through outbounding. And there was a, a point in time where we're like, well, forms, forms might be dead, but like forms still exist. And then one day I was like, it's just convert people. Like, how can we convert you into pipeline? I don't care. Every person's journey is different. You might want to have a live conversation. You might want to engage with the chatbot. You might want to fill out a form. I don't really care. As long as I can qualify you and turn you into pipeline, I'm going to give you as many avenues as possible to convert. And for me, that's what it's all about is you're coming to the website. Can I make this a personalized journey for you? I've got all this data. It sits in my CRM, sits in my ABM platform, sits in my marketing automation platform. If I can bring that all together and give you as a buyer a personalized journey and then give you a multitude of avenues to convert, I don't care how you do it as long as you turn into pipeline. And one of our newer products, we have qualified meetings we went back and forth on if we wanted to release and where it's been a big game changer for us is you come to the website, you might fill out a form. Suddenly you hit submit on that form. And I know you're from a target account. I've been outbounding to you. I have all of this data sitting in those systems. I just want to book you right now. Yep. I'm going to offer up a calendar. I'm going to let you book time with me in this exact moment because I think more and more with every passing day, our attention spans just get shorter and shorter. Yeah. And the second I leave the website, I've moved on to something else. If I sleep for a night, I forget what I was doing the day before. Oh, for sure. So I want to capture you at any point in any way when you're on the website and showing some interest. So like, I wouldn't have cut qualified at my previous companies. I definitely wouldn't cut it while I'm here, obviously. Yeah. Yeah, obviously. That would be tough. That'd be really tough. Can you imagine I, that conversation with yeah, Greg? That'd be tough. <laughs> I think that the same thing of when I talked to Craig years ago and he was telling me about the company... Like if your CEO walked in or if the CEO of your biggest prospect walked in the door, what would you do? Like, you know, roll out the red carpet and offer him a drink and all that. If that person came to your website, what would you do? And if they're saying, hey, I want to buy from you, would you be able to book a meeting right now? Right? Yeah. And so it's like, it's this logical progression of like, of course you would want to do that. And it blows my mind how many gates that we want to put up as marketers totally. just to figure out if our money is being well spent, right? Yeah. So we're like... That's for me. It's not for you as a buyer. It, no, it's, it's not at all. It's only self-serving for me yeah. to get that data. Yeah. And then, and, then, and then your sales team goes, oh, well, that webinar had 160 you know, signups. That's amazing. 
that's awesome. And you're like, that is awesome. No doubt. But we didn't need... But then what? Yeah, but we didn't need to gate any of that sort of stuff. If yeah. we have offered that same exact content on the website without you know being ungated in real time or whatever, and they watched 16 seconds of the video and go, you know what, I'm not going to do this. I'm just going to book a meeting right now. Like yeah. That's way better, right? And so I think that there's just an evolution of like what marketer market marketers should be doing yep. in the buyer's journey. And like what's so funny about qualified for me is that we know how important it is to shorten the buyer's journey. Yep. We know how important speed or time kills all deals. We know that. And all these tools are built to do that. So it's like any way that I could make someone buy faster or talk to someone faster or get their questions answered faster, you want to do it. Absolutely. And I think to the point of being uncuttable What's been interesting in this time where budgets are tighter and spend is getting more highly scrutinized and bringing on new vendors is really, really hard. The thing with Qualified that has been impactful for our business, has been impactful for our customers' businesses, is, I hate this saying, but the proof is in the pudding. We can actually look at numbers of what we're sourcing from a pipeline perspective. And that's why pipeline is so important. Our product touches so much pipeline and can help you source more pipeline. And I, I work... I manage our budget a lot at our company. I work with our CFO really closely. And even though budgets are tighter, he'll ask me, if you bring me a product right now that you can guarantee will 3X my pipeline or 4X, I'll give you budget. You just have to guarantee that you can bring in more than what it's costing us. And that's really hard to find in products sometimes. It it helps. There's products that help in so many ways and like efficiency and productivity and those things, but it's not this like tangible dollar And it was really interesting, like six months ago, we're looking at budgets and our CFO looks at me and he goes, what else can you go buy right now that can guarantee us 3X to 4X pipeline? And I was like, nothing. But if I was somewhere else, I could probably say that about qualified because it does source pipeline because it's on your website, because it's giving people more avenues to convert. I had this epiphany where I was like, I could go, if I was at another company, I could probably bring this to a CFO, say, this is my forecasted increase in pipeline. And that CFO would give me budget. And now I'm looking for other things that can do that for me. So I was like, oh, it is uncuttable because I have so much value that is in actual dollars that I can bring to our finance person to prove that it's working. You know, it's so funny. We just did an exercise for Caspian about sort of like the ROI of video Mm -hmm. podcasts. And what we found out was that like generally speaking, our customers can convert about 10% of the guests that come on their podcast, right? So you're like, and so then we started doing sort of like ACV size and all that sort of stuff, doing the ROI calculation. And we'd never really done that before. And it has completely changed the way that the the deck that goes to the CFO of, yep. of the prospect, that they have that conversation. Because they don't care about the 20 no. slides and all that other stuff. They're just like, show, me the, show me the ROI Just show me the money. That's all they care about. <laughs> Whereas like every, you know, end user... Yeah, of course you care about that, but you're also like a true believer. You're like, yep. I know that this needs to exist, right? Yes. Um, and and how important is it just getting that slide in your deck that goes directly to the CFO and says like, this is this tool will add X oh, ROI, right? It's, there was a time where that's all our sales team asked for was we just need ROI slides. That's yeah. all we need. We redid like... When the market started to shift, we did like this full overhaul. We had an ROI calculator. We redid it. We revamped it. We put all this like data behind it because we knew, like we knew this was going to come up all the time and we wanted to give people an easy way 
like the slides in the first call pitch deck. You can come to our website, use our ROI calculator because we knew this was going to be the question moving forward. And I'm really grateful that the team recognized it early and jumped on creating the slides, redoing that calculator because we knew suddenly CFOs were going to be in every single conversation. Yeah, that's great. Most cuttable budget items. What are, what are the things that maybe you're not going to be investing in? That's such a, uh, I love this question. Content syndication, we've never done. And I'm just saying it because that's the most loaded one. But interestingly, when I worked in cybersecurity, it was our most uncuttable budget item. So I think it just depends on segment. Things that we pulled back spend on when we started to look at budget, brand awareness ads. So again, hard. it was a hard pill for me to swallow as a digital marketer. Google SEM was always an easy one. We're like, we know this is driving pipeline for us because it's an immediate action because they're already at the bottom of the funnel. They've already searched something. They're coming to your website and they're ready to buy. But those things that are at the top of the funnel when they're doing their initial research, it's hard to prove value of those. And if we're going to double down on things like our owned content, we're going to keep putting things out there organically. Maybe we don't need so much of that brand awareness ads. But what's interesting when I say we cut it, I'm also a little biased here. We pulled back on a bunch of our ad spend specifically around our branded name and, you know, brand awareness, people searching qualified. And then we also pulled back a lot on like our ABM ads a couple months ago. Eh, it was about six months ago. And we pulled back all that spend and we're like, we, Craig would ask, can you prove without unreasonable doubt that this is good spend? And we're like, let's test it. Let's pull this back. And then what we noticed is we're starting to, we started to see a, a dip in people searching for qualified. So these things like went hand in hand. So we're like, okay, we can cut these like brand awareness ads, these ABM ads. But then we noticed on our bidded brand name qualified, that traffic started to decline. But it took a couple months of like a lagging indicator for that to decline. So we've cut that. But now I'm coming back. And I'm like, should we bring this back? You know, like it's hard. It's not a direct correlation, but we think there's causation there. So that one's sort of with an asterisk on it where we cut it. But I'm wondering if it's time to bring that back. What else would I cut that we haven't already cut? It's hard because we've cut so many things that we went through and just said like, this is, I think tech bloat. We kind of went through our tech stack and we're like, where can we consolidate things? If stuff isn't absolutely necessary. And again, we can't go to the CFO with that single slide that said, here's the ROI. It's probably going to get cut. Yeah. Any final thoughts on pipeline generation here? Anything we missed so far? No, I think from a pipeline generation standpoint, I know everyone listening to this, it is always interesting because you get very different answers from different people. If what I'm saying right now of like, this is my most cuttable and uncuttable, take it with a grain of salt. You know your audience better than I do. And I kind of mentioned like when I used to work in cybersecurity, what an IT person cared about and what our demand gen strategy was, was vastly different than what I'm doing right now when we market to marketers. So find birds of a feather, find people who are marketing to your same persona, ask them questions, find out what they're doing. But if you're marketing to a totally different persona and you're listening to my answers right now and you're like, that's not working for me, that's okay. What you're doing might not work for us either. Or better yet, go back and listen to other episodes of Pipeline Visionaries. Yeah, go find another Pipeline Visionaries one (laughs) with someone that's in your same industry. And that's really smart though. If you go through all these podcast episodes and you find companies that are like-minded as you and are selling to the same type of people it makes sense to listen to those episodes. Sarah, I love it. Thank you so much for coming on. Yeah, absolutely. Um, any final thoughts? Anything to plug? Nope. I think Qualified. Go check out qualified.com. Join our next Pipeline Summit. I'm going to make a pre-plug that my content person is glaring at me for. In November, we're doing a virtual Pipeline Summit that's all about AI. I know the shocker of all shockers. Everyone's talking about AI. If you're interested, come. We have some really great speakers lined up for Pipeline Summit AI in November. Come to qualified.com. We'll be promoting it. I love it. Thanks so much. Thank you, Ian. Take care. Thanks again to our friends at qualified.com, a conversational sales and marketing platform 
that transforms the way B2B companies sell. Go to qualified.com to learn more.